Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Arizona Boomer Radio brings you Straight Down the Middle, Arizona's only Internet golf show. Straight Down the Middle is produced by the Boomer and the Baby Incorporated in partnership with GolfMix.com. GolfMix is your place to read course reviews written by recreational golfers just like you. Learn about the course you're going to play. Check out Golf Mix before your next round. Now it's time to hit it straight down the middle. Four! Straight down the middle. It went straight down the middle. Then it started to hook just a wee, wee bit. That's when McCaddy lost sight of it. That little white pellet has never been found to this day. But it went straight down the middle, like they say. Whacked down the fairway. It went smack down the fairway. And it started to slice just a smidge off line. It headed for two, but it bounced off nine. My caddy says, long as you're still in the state, you're okay. Yes, it went straight down the middle, flying away. Well, good Tuesday evening, and welcome to Straight Down the Middle, the Arizona Golf Show on the Internet. And I'm Pete Peters. Along with me today is Mr. John Bloom and Mr. Kirk Getzinger. And uh, we're back together again for the first time. And, oh, geez, how long it's been, I don't know. Maybe one of you guys can help me out with that. But it's been a while since we've been together and uh, all together and live. And uh, we're going to have a little convers- an open-ended conversation about some things on the PGA Tour tonight. So I'm really looking forward to that. But first of all, welcome both of you, John, Kirk, whoever wants to go first and jump in there and tell us what's happening with your golf mix project. Pete, I'm glad to, to hear your voice and, and be on with you, and, and uh, always uh, happy to have uh, Kirk uh, alongside as well. And uh, we've been busy this week, uh, lots to, to update people on. Uh, golf mix yesterday out in uh, in the lovely pines of Flagstaff, Arizona, where uh, they they held the U.S. Uh, Junior Girls Championship Media Day, uh, preparing for that USGA event, which will be held at Forest Highlands up in Flag, uh, July 21st to July 26th. Uh, Justin Silverstein and I went up there yesterday. Uh, there'll be a blog coming up on Golf Mix about that championship tomorrow, and we'll also have a newsletter going out with a whole bunch of uh, other exciting information and news about the golf happenings around Arizona uh, right now and, and going into the summertime. And We're also getting ramped up in Michigan. Uh, they, they're clearing the snow all out of that state and allowing everybody to get out and, and start to flex and, and uh, stretch out their golf muscles and, and get it going because for the next five months they'll play as much golf as possible uh, in that great state, and Golf Mix will be uh, just getting going there. So we're, we're fired up about both of those things. And, uh, and Kirk, I know, uh, um, you know we, we, we were all humbled yesterday. Uh, I, I'd have to, to lead into this because I know it was something we'd probably bring up at one point during the show, but 
uh, an 11-year-old from a neighboring town to my hometown, Redwood City, California, just qualified for the U.S. Women's Open. How old, uh, how old uh, were you, Kirk, when you were shooting 68 and 74 back-to-back in 20-mile-per-hour winds? Um, I'm still waiting for that day to come, John. Uh, you know, if you could let me know, please, please do. Rub the crystal ball and let me know what's going to happen. But uh, And on a pretty tough track, too. I mean, this is, you know, four, that, that, that's pretty nice. That, that is incredible, John, and it's just a, a continuation of what we've seen over the last, you know, several years, how, how many good kids are coming out at younger and younger ages, but 11? I mean, you know, a lot of, I'm still trying to get the training wheels off my bicycle, probably. You know, I mean, that's 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 incredible and uh, good, good, uh, good luck to hear and good to, good to see another young person having success. Because as we talk a lot about on the show and a lot of, of the time that we spend talking with the, the junior golf and high school golf people here in Arizona, the more and more success that we can see kids having, it just translates into more kids being interested in the game. And that's what you know. That's what golf needs uh, so so badly right now. It's just uh, you know reading here today some information on you know where golf participation is kind of kind of flattening right now. But the, the key to it is uh, getting getting new people to the game right now and getting those participation numbers up from the 25 or 26 million we have in this country and getting it back to a much much, much stronger situation. And uh, we're trying to do our part at Golf Mix to, to help that out uh, with. Uh, with some great golf information for people who are looking for a place to uh, place to play here, certainly in the, in the valley in the summer. You know, guys, it's the it's the time of year out here where we all start talking about the triple digits in terms of the temperature, and for most people that doesn't put a smile on their face. But one thing it does do is takes the golf green fees out of the triple digits and opens up a lot more options around town uh, to, to people. And so if, uh, if you're looking to uh, head out and play perhaps the course you haven't been to for a while this weekend, go check out go check out Golf Picks. If you're looking to maybe go up, uh, play the Raven Phoenix or uh, play one of our in-town courses like Papago, we got recent, we got recent reviews for you on Golf Mix about, about those courses. If you're looking to take a little drive up to the northwest and go play Los Caballeros up in Wittenberg, we've got a, re- a recent review there for you too. So uh, check out the, re- the recent info there on Golf Mix, and it'll help you make your choice about your next round of golf. Well, I got when you were talking about this uh, young lady out of Redwood City, uh, John. It, it occurred to me that uh, I don't recall. Maybe one of you do. How old was Michelle Wee when she actually turned pro? And I know she was very young when she was playing on the tour, but when she turned pro, how old was she? Do you recall? Well, she when she played in some pro events, she was, uh, I believe. Uh, 13 was the youngest that she really was in any kind of event with, uh, with, you know, the spotlight on her. Uh, I, I double check on that. The, the record for the youngest uh, girl to qualify for the U.S. Open was actually done only a few years ago. Lexi Thompson, we know who she is, and she's now right. uh, obviously justified or what do they call it? validated? You know, like when you're right. playing a skin. You got to validate the next hole. Yeah, Lexi's done that uh, as far as validating her becoming the youngest to ever qualify, and she was 12. Uh, so Lucy Lee only uh, beat her by you know uh, six months or so. Lucy's going to turn 12 in October, uh, so she's basically you know 11 and a half. And it's unbelievable, Pete, not just because of what she did in qualifying for the U.S. Open and setting a new record in doing so, 
but she won by seven shots. She won the qualifier against people three and four times her age by seven strokes. It wasn't even close. And it's on a course I've played many times that is very difficult. And she went 68-74 in 20-mile-per-hour winds, which is pretty normal at that golf course because it's right on the ocean and it comes straight off the Pacific. But still, that is a mind-boggling stat. And I know we were going to talk about a number of topics here on the show, Pete, one of which being maybe is golf uh, on the professional level struggling uh, and to me, you know, this, these are the type of things that this sport needs. You know, a, a story like this that can put golf in the headlines. And, and unfortunately, too often, you know, the headlines are dominated by negative stories in sports. This is, there's nothing negative about this. This is really exciting. And, and uh, you know, we're, we're going to have to wait and see how she performs uh, when the spotlight's on in Pinehurst, of all places, this summer. But, you know, she's already performed at a very uh, very pressure-packed place when she won her division at the drive, uh, chip, and putt contest at Augusta National. So uh, it's not the first success story for Lucy Lee, and it's certainly not going to be the last. And I, for one, am very excited to see how another NorCal, another Northern Californian uh, golfer is going to be able to fare. Well, I, the, the reason I brought it up is, is uh, we, we had Michelle Wee, uh, we have uh, Lydia Ko, uh, Lucy Lee, uh, any number of them now. I, I, you look, you look at the rosters of some of the players that are playing, particularly the the, the women right now. Uh, and, and you know, seventeen, eighteen, sixteen, fifteen, nineteen. Uh, that, that is a bunch of young, young players, and this kind of might fit into the topic of our discussion as well. And and the same on the other side of the coin. I mean. Uh, Gordon Spieth is what now he's just turned 20 here not that long ago and and uh, I'm sure there's a lot of other 15 and 16 year olds out there that are coming along really well and are, are very close to uh, to breaking through so uh, in that respect it's I think the game is in good shape but what I'm what I'm happening to, to be thinking about, and I know Kirk and I were talking about it a little bit when we decided that maybe we wanted to do this show today, uh, was that uh, maybe the tour's gone flat in, in some areas. So why don't we just kind of start there, and, and Kirk, if you'd like to lead that discussion a little bit. Yeah, sure, sure thing, Pete. And, uh, well, the, the, you know, our discussion kind of was around the idea that, you know, with, with the lengthening of the tour schedule now to basically have a year a year round tour, you know, you know, virtually every event is the same format. It's a seven D two holes stroke play event. Yeah, there's differences in who qualifies and so forth. Uh, but the basics you know, basic format of each, each tournament's the same and as we know, you know, the tour doesn't change venues that often for the for the uh, you know regular events, it goes back to the same places year in year out, and you know some of those are places perhaps like you know when we watched the players a couple of weeks ago, the people really do want to see it on TV because as you know as, as John has spoken to uh, you know so, so well on this show how the importance of the venue, and a lot of them are places that you know you know frankly in some ways are you know you know more more of the run of the mill every every you know, every day golf course that you might see so. The, the thought I the thought I had was that does the tour need to get back to some of the alternative format events to generate a little interest? We we used to have a stable for scoring event on tour. We we don't have that anymore. Uh, in the you know so-called silly season, we used to have the, the skins game, which was a pretty you know 
pretty high interest events. That's you know that that's not that's not there. I, I think losing some of those things takes away some of the interest in, in televised golf, and perhaps that perhaps that, that translates down in some way. And there's some different things I would you know I would I would like to see uh, brought back into uh, into the televised event schedule. For instance, there you know there's a World Cup play towards the end of the year. It kind of gets lost and everything. It's technically you know, a, a country versus country competition, two players from from each country. But again, the timing of the event it, it kind of gets lost. Why why couldn't we have, and especially coming upon the Olympics here in a couple of years, sort of a mini Olympics type event as a as a precursor for that, and qualify ten or fifteen different countries and have them bring in their top four players and have a real team competition. I think I think those kind of things would be good. And again, like we're talking about with the young people, making a real statement, it gets people talking about golf, and that generates interest in the game. Well, I, I certainly agree with that, Kirk, and and, and I, I like the idea of the the different formats. Um, and, and but as far as the courses are concerned, I, I think once some once a course has grabbed hold of a tournament. Uh, as an example, Foxfire up here in 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 northern in northern Phoenix. Once that thing is, once they have grabbed hold of that tournament uh, and they've committed to four or five years of play there, uh, the tournament itself has to pretty much bomb before they're going to back off of that thing and they're going to want to take it, you know, take it somewhere else. And uh, and I think that in some way, shape, or form uh, adds to what some people might say is a little bit oh, makes it less interesting because there's, I mean, not that you have to have a course that's all tricked up, but I mean, it's it's a pretty mundane course for the most part, and and, and the ladies are out there shooting really nice scores, and um, it's just it almost becomes uh, run of the mill. It almost becomes what's expected and what's. Uh, and, and if, it, if they don't, if all of a sudden five or six of them blow sky high as they're coming down the stretch, uh, well, that's that's where the, that's where the news is. Uh, but the fact that several of them shot eight, ten, twelve under, whatever the case might be, coming down the stretch together, and and one of them just happens to sink the putt on the last hole, uh, that's uh, maybe maybe we're, maybe we're, maybe I'm expecting too much. Maybe I'm thinking I want the excitement. I want the excitement. Uh, the Masters is a typical example. Gordon Spieth and, and Bubba Watson put on a show, uh, and, and until uh, Spieth kind of lost his concentration, concentration or whatever the case might be, that was pretty compelling stuff. Uh, but that, just like many of them, many others of them, uh, all of a sudden just eh, kind of takes a dump. You know what I mean? It just one one of those guys just goes, oh shoot, it's done and doesn't fold his fold his tent and go home, but he just kind of maybe seems to play out the streak. And I think maybe that's what adds to uh, some of the mundane feeling on some of these tournaments. Yeah, I mean, I, I think drama has has been a little lacking uh, to start the season. I, I think uh, even when you bring up the Masters, uh, Pete with Jordan Spieth and and with the you know the the great start he got out to, and it looked like you know he was going to have a chance. And then once Bubba went past him towards the end, it became a little anticlimactic down the stretch in the back nine. But uh, other than that, I mean, yeah, they're, they're, 
I'd say the tournament drama is part of it, but I don't think that's anywhere near the biggest part of it. And I think I think you know the the elephant in the room is the tiger that's not in the room or the, that's not in the field. Uh, and you know that's not what drives me to watch golf. But if you're talking about the numbers being down, if you're talking about ratings, if you're talking about interest level, if you're talking about conversation being about golf on on daily talk shows and and on uh, Sports Center. Uh, no, the the reason that that has gone down is because the most dominant player in the past three decades uh, is not on the on the golf course, and you know I think you guys know how I feel about Tiger. I think most people who have ever heard me on the radio know how I feel about Tiger. I do not like the man himself, but I respect the heck out of what he's done for the game of golf uh, with his popularity. That said. Golf needs to move on, regardless of whether Tiger comes back healthy and wins majors and gets anywhere near to back to his old form, which I don't believe he will uh, because of health. And, uh, you know, whether that happens or not, golf needs to move on. And the way golf is going to move on is, is uh, Jordan Spieth not only being in contention but actually coming through and winning golf tournaments or someone else taking the torch and becoming a dominant force. You know, you look at sports, right? Who dominates? It's those teams that go on the runs. Everybody wants to see LeBron in the heat. Can they win their third straight NBA championship? In the NFL, yeah, people will talk about the Seahawks trying to go for another championship, but the focus might be on Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos again as we get closer and closer to the season and the fact that they had such an amazing run but couldn't win it all, and can they win it now? In, in, in essence, they are you know, somewhat of a dominant force from a news standpoint now in the NFL. Uh, in baseball, the, the usual suspects are, are the ones that, that people are gravitating towards and, and the ones that make the ratings higher. It's not uh, you know, a Tampa Bay Rays team that is built uh, in a way that, that baseball teams should aspire to build. And it's, it's going to be how are the, the Yankees faring and, and are the Dodgers going to make this run with their massive payroll and, and where are the big markets. But in golf and tennis and individual sports, you've got to have a dominant force. You know, uh, men's tennis struggled for so long. And then, uh, you know, Roger Federer came in and, and just started taking over and winning unbelievable amounts of tournaments and Grand Slams, and that helped men's tennis. Women's tennis has had a decent run uh, with, the, with the Williams sisters dominating for a while there. And then, uh, you know, they've had a couple uh, of other ladies step in and, and become powerful forces. Uh, and in female golf, Annika Sorenstam was the last one to really move the needle from a domination standpoint. I think Lorena Ochoa was close, but uh, but didn't end up uh, having the, the uh, length of, of run that, that Annika did, and, and both retired, you know, I guess you could say prematurely, and now they're waiting for, you know, the, the next one that could really grab a hold of the masses. And what's unfortunate for golf is that it's, it's a very difficult niche sport to get a hold of the casual sports fans. There has to be something special, something transcendent. And so far on the PGA Tour, we haven't seen that this year. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And I think, you know, John, like, like you mentioned, I mean, with the big question mark about, you know, with Tiger's future and when he'll come back. I mean, look, we, we saw a period on the PGA Tour in those years that after Jack's dominance ended to the point when Tiger got started, where there really was not a dominant player on the tour. And if you won two or maybe three tournaments in a year, you, you were player of the year, you know, hand, hands down. 
and you know last year Tiger won five, and so and so, so golf has seen this before, and given where some of the participation trends have been, have added, that's what you know caused me to think: is there something different they need to do with the product? Do they need to put something different out there other than a you know straight seventy-two hole stroke play tournament every every week? to get some of those casual fans back in the house and watching and interested, given that, you know, maybe we will go through a period here if, you know, Tiger doesn't regain his prior form and, you know, let's say whether it's a Jordan Spieth or whomever, nobody really ascends to the top in a, in a consistent manner. Is there something else golf should be thinking about in terms of the, the presentation of their sport that uh, would, would draw people in, in the absence of a dominant player like that? It's a great John, question, I, uh, John. John, uh, I've no, kind of noticed this, and uh, and you working for uh, one of the major outlets. Uh, uh, I think you're the right guy to try to answer this question, and that is, I have a feeling when I'm watching these tournaments uh, that the people doing the announcing and so on and so forth are are, are naming these young players and uh, building them up. Uh, with regard to their tremendous skills and 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 so on and so forth, and their fine young man and, and and things like that, and I'm not trying to say that it's not the case, but it's almost as if they're uh, making these announcements and proclamations, and and in hopes that then they will be able to prove that, you know, it's sort of English and some of the and some of the others, uh, speech being one, but Spieth certainly proved it to a point. Uh, do you do you think any of that is at least subconsciously happening? Um, yeah, I mean, I I I, I definitely do. I, I I think that there's this hope that, that there's this underlying. It's not just hope, but it's also okay. We've we've got to do whatever we can to capture the audience. So sometimes embellishment. Is, is the case, and you're going to make some things look maybe sexier than they actually are. Uh, sometimes that hope will come through that you're, you, you know, you're putting your, your trust or faith in, in a certain individual, and I know a lot of people did that with Rory McIlroy a couple of years ago, and, and uh, that has not played out in the way that, that many people thought it would. Um, and, and certainly there was reason to get all excited about what he was accomplishing, but uh, maybe we were a little premature, or maybe not. Maybe he does return to prominence, but that's the thing. He, he, there's no guarantees here. It, the closest thing to a guarantee was Tiger Woods at Augusta. I mean, you just always knew he was going to be in the mix. Uh, and him not being there to start this season, which is, you know, the, the de facto start of the season for many golf fans is, is Augusta, whether uh, I like it or not, because I think they miss a lot when they skip the West Coast swing if they don't pay attention to it. Uh, you know, Augusta's the big one, and you didn't have Tiger, and then you didn't have Phil on the weekend, and that's when most people are watching. So not a good start for golf for that to happen. And then since, you know, you're looking at it and saying that maybe not, uh, you know, uh, maybe this is a problem for the game. Now, Kirk, as far as the, the question you posed about what they could do to generate more interest and in maybe switching up formats, I think that's – uh, that's something that, that's helpful, you know. Even and you went through a lot of the silly season events that are now gone. Even the one they had at Treetops in Michigan, the par three shootout, which I thought was a lot of fun. I covered the first six, five or five of them, I think, uh, was a fantastic fan event. People got into it. And the thing about those events is, 
the players let their guard down. You know, they weren't all anal and uptight and walking with a stick up their butt like they are on a weekly basis. Most of them are. And, frankly, I don't blame them too much because there's so much darn money on the line that that's, it's a lot of pressure, you know, that, what, they're, what they're up against. But it hasn't done the tour too many favors from a standpoint of fan friendliness uh, with regards to the PGA Tour specifically, and, and I'd say the LPGA Tour is trying but is up against a different problem, which we've discussed uh, many times on the show before, and that's the fact that many of their players don't speak a lot of English. That's just the way it is. Uh, so it's hard for, for fans to relate in that aspect. But for the PGA Tour, what I'd like to see, if I was sitting there in, in Mr. Fincham's spot as a commissioner, I would take a look and say, okay, you know what, our approval ratings, our popularity, our ratings on television might be down. But you know whose isn't? The NFL. And you know what the NFL has? A lot of golfers. How about if we incorporate uh, the stars of the NFL in each you know, region we go to to play in and somehow fold them into the tournaments? Maybe it's not just the NFL. Maybe it's other sports, too. But uh, to, to cross over, I think, is something that's always been key for golf. And it's not always with other sports. Sometimes it's celebrities. You know, they had Justin Timberlake on the hook in Vegas, and that fell through. And that's, that's unfortunate, in my opinion, because Justin Timberlake's reaching a heck of a lot more people than golf is right now. So if you can get involved with those type of people, like back in the day when it was the Bob Hopes of the world and Andy Williams and across the board when you got these celebrities involved, well, then they opened up the, oh, you know what? My favorite celebrity loves golf. Maybe I'll give golf a try, too. Or maybe I'll watch golf because Bob Hope's going to be on there being funny. Uh, so there's all those kind of elements that I think we've lost, and part of the reasons we've lost it is because, uh, you know, the, the eye got focused on one prize, and that's the almighty dollar, and it's happened uh, across many industries, and I think it's, it's definitely uh, been a, a, a big obstacle for golf. Well, I, I uh, really agree with you 100% when you start talking about the Bob Hopes, uh, the, the Crosby Clambake up at uh, Pebble Beach. Uh, after all, that's, the, that's our opening song is uh, the Straight Down the Middle tune. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, yeah, and, and Jamie Farr used to have something with the LPGA, and uh, there's, as, as you said, Andy Williams was in San Diego. They all had, they all had something else going, and uh, I'll always remember the the Bob Hope, uh, the Bob Hope Classic, uh, and and uh, and the, the the women that. Uh, he would be standing next to him as he's doing his interview or, or whatever, is and with the T-shirt on, it said Bob Hope Classic. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was it, it was it was part of the gig, and, and uh, you know probably it's not politically correct anymore today, and maybe that's maybe that's part of the problem too. I don't know, <laughs> but I mean, but but people had fun. They had fun with it, and and sure they didn't make as much money as they did not they do now, but. How much money has Gordon Spieth made? Jordan Spieth made so far uh, this year? Would you guess how many millions has he pocketed already? Talking uh, just uh, just on his uh, winnings, or are you talking about endorsements too? Because that opens no, up a just, whole different. No, just just his earnings on tour. Uh, earnings. I can get I can get you his earnings. I mean, he's not he's not tops right now, but but uh, he, he's. Uh, you know he's up there, and you, you look at it. Obviously, it's it's a good example when you talk about the amount of dollars that are on the line. That here's this youngster who uh, just is going to turn 21, uh, so he'll be able to legally buy his own beer in about two months. July 27th is uh, when he'll turn 21, and uh, and so far this year, 
he has earned $3.2 million. Well, just I, I'm not trying to criticize him. Believe me, I'm honestly not. But why wouldn't this guy be walking around the golf course just loosey-goosey and having a good time and saying hi to folks? I mean, he's got three point whatever you said million dollars in his pocket already, and anything else that he makes for the rest of this year is nothing but just pocket change or uh, money for him to play with and invest and whatever. I mean, he's got the world by the you know where, and uh, and it's just it amazes me that these people and they're more than more than just he, but these people that are out there making that kind of money that they can't just be happy about it. Look happy. You're not, you're, you are happy? Tell your face. Uh, it's just, it kind of amazes me. that how, Why would you be that stern? And, and I'm not suggesting that he is one of the sternest people out there, but why would anybody be stern at all when they've got $3 million in their pocket and they get to play golf? I don't understand it. Well, well you know, Pete, you know, we've, got, we've got the Ryder Cup coming up this year. And what's the you know what's one of the things that we see that's different there is the we see the enthusiasm exuded out of the golfers for playing for for your country, you know because of the format it's it's us against the Euros it's the Euros against us, and that's the only time perhaps that throughout the year that you really see some of that you know that, that deep genuine you know excitement for not only you know, how you did, but how, how your team is doing. And I, and I take it back to it, it, it's a difference in, in, in the format, and it's a difference in the focus because, yeah, they, they're not playing for any money. They're just playing for the trophy. And so, you know, maybe golf needs a little more of a dose of that, of, of that kind of stuff to bring that part of the excitement of the game, you know, bringing it out right, right on your television screen when you're sitting there, you know, watching Jordan Spieth, who, you know, undoubtedly will be on the Ryder Cup team this year, rolling out a winning putt to win, to win his match. You, you see some of that, and I think that's the kind of thing that people can, uh, pe- people can, can rally around in, in golf. And uh, that, that's why I would like to see them try some things that are different, because I think it would bring some of this stuff out that, uh, on a week-by-week basis that doesn't come out right now. I think you're right, Kirk. I, I, I would like, I for one would like to see them uh, uh, play for love of the game and love of the competition and bragging rights. Forget the money, bragging rights. Uh, when, you, when the three of us get together and play uh, as infrequently as we we do, uh, we're, what are you, what are we playing for? We're playing for bragging rights. Did you, I, I sank that 20-footer on, on on 13. Yeah, but I sank the 35-footer on 12. You know, it, it's it, it's all bragging rights. Uh, there may be a beer involved afterwards, but that's that's going to be the extent of it. And, and the purpose of 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 the beer is so uh, the people that don't have to pay can brag that the other guy bought him a beer. And it's. It, it just amazes me that um, uh, something's been lost. I, it's, it's my feeling, and I think maybe the format changes that you're recommending, Kurt, might or talking about, Kurt, might might be the uh, might be the answer. But uh, I think something's been lost, and I think 
and and maybe it's the golden age of innocence. I I don't know, <laughs> but. Uh, well, well, you know, Pete, in getting to, to John's point, am I trying to get, get people to, you know, kind of cross borders and, and bring in different, you know, different groups or different different disciplines? I mean, you know, think about all the promotion that goes on during the time of March Madness to get people to fill out a bracket, okay? People who haven't watched a college basketball game all year, but they're going to go in and fill out a bracket, right? And... What's that going to do? It's going to cause people to watch watching college basketball that perhaps you know never have a little or no connection with it all year, you know, and just you know just coincidentally, you know, Quicken Loans they were the ones to throw out the you know the, the billion dollar thing if you picked the perfect bracket last year. Well, they've they've extended that to their tournament this year at, at their title sponsor of it at Congressional, where they just announced that if you go on and you sign up online, you can. If somebody makes a hole in one on the uh, the tenth hole there, that that par three that carries across water at, at Congressional, that somebody's going to win a million dollars if if that happens. Now again, is that going to triple the triple the television ratings for the event so people can watch everything that's happening on the tenth hole? Well, I you know I I don't know, but again, would it be the kind of thing that perhaps the casual the casual fan or somebody who has very little uh, connection to the game? They might watch a little more golf on that tournament just in the chance that hey, you know, I might see buddy see somebody make one and it might you know, I might win the win the lottery tonight and get my name picked out. Well perhaps, but it's it's those kinds of inner innovative things that, that need to be done to expand the audience. Yeah, well, I, I, like, I, I agree I like with you guys. Idea. I mean obviously uh, the, uh, the NCAA tournament is huge because people gamble on it. The NFL is huge because people gamble on it. I know, you know, I'm not going to argue with anybody who said, well, it's the best sport. That's why it's, you know, it's the most gambled sport. Uh, and fo- football has, has dominated that now, not only with betting spreads and winners, but also with fantasy football. And, and I know there is fantasy golf, and there's some people who do bet on that kind of stuff, but it's it's nowhere near uh, what it is in the other sports, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not Trump or coming out here and 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 singing the praises of, of gambling and saying that's what's going to save it. But in the end, you got to look at at the the lowest common denominator. You got to you got to try to get that guy, uh, that casual sports fan, I- interested and move the needle for him, not for you and me. Uh, because we're golfers and we love golf and we're passionate about it. We're always going to be there and want to see what's going to happen next. But to grab a piece of the other markets, uh, you've got to do something different. And, uh, you know, like I, I think about, well, now we've got some young players. What about having a, a challenge between uh, d- decades or generations? And you've got, you know, the guys in their 20s facing it's the, guy, the best stars in their 30s against the best stars in their 40s, and then maybe you incorporate the champions. Or you, you do something with uh, the, the PGA Tour playing against the best of the LPGA and the best of the champions, and you, you cross generations and, and, uh, and sexes at the same time. You know, there, there's those type of opportunities that I think could be good for them, in addition to reaching out to uh, the other folks. Now, the thing I like to go back to with golf and the popularity of golf is we have the largest attended event of the year uh, in golf, and we have the largest attended event of the year in all sports uh, with the Phoenix Open here. Well, why why is there so much interest in that event? It has nothing to do with golf. 
And it's sad in some aspects that there are so many thousands of people that come out to TPC Scottsdale every year and don't take advantage of watching the best golfers in the world. But at the same time, let's look at it. Let's investigate what are they doing to get that many people interested in it. They set up this circus-like atmosphere with a huge party, and that draws people in. Well, no other tournament can do it. They, they don't do it, and they can't do it. It just is something that is nearly impossible, and we've, we've layered those reasons over the course of, of the couple years of doing straight down the middle. We talked a lot about the Thunderbirds and how unique they are in the grand spectrum of golf and the, and the organizers of golf tournaments. But the, the thing that I get from it is that in order to really thrive, golf does have to attach itself to other things that people – love to do, whether it's drinking, music, other sports, uh, you know, the outdoors, whatever it happens to be, uh, it's important to be able to, to connect it if you want to tap into that marketplace, which is the, the you know, lowest common denominator of the casual sports fan. Well, that's, uh, that's absolutely correct, John. I, I, I firmly agree with you on that. And, there are certainly things that, not that other tournaments should or, or even could in many cases copy the Phoenix Open, but there are many things that they could do that would be um, uh, complementary and have some kind of a, a, at least a nod to the Phoenix Open for their own fans that are there. And, and, and who knows, maybe some of that stuff would, would catch on, start to rub off a little bit uh, at what other, whatever other venue it, it, it might be that tries it. Uh, maybe, maybe golf is uh, still living, as I said, in the, uh, uh, in, the in the golden past uh, when, when everything was is staid and um, formal and uh, things like that. At least, uh, uh, certainly by comparison to the Phoenix Open, <laughs> Phoenix Open is. Is a party. <laughs> that's that, that's what it is, and everybody knows it's a party. So uh, maybe some of these other places need to be a little, a little, little less uh, uh, formal, and uh, a, a little more loosey goosey with with some things that they try from a marketing standpoint. I would think that's. Uh, I mean. Uh, again, it's it's almost impossible, Pete, and, and there have been other tournaments that have really tried uh, to capture the atmosphere. I would give the Byron Nelson credit. They've got something going on. They do some concerts, and, and they, they've been uh, gaining steam from a, a attendance standpoint. Charitable donations are always huge at the Byron Nelson, uh, always one of the top ones of the year, uh, along with the Phoenix Open. And, and uh you know, I think that uh, there are a couple others, too, but it's very difficult, and I think a lot of it has to do with the venue, as we've discussed in the past, too. Other, other venues don't have the ability to accommodate the, the huge masses and the crowds, uh, like the TPC uh, Scottsdale uh, course and surrounding area does with parking and everything else. It's so accessible, but uh, it doesn't need to be half a million people going, but these golf right. tournaments want to have you know, 50,000 people going, 100,000 people going. That's, that's what they're hoping for. And, uh, and I think there's a struggle there, especially when you don't have a Tiger Woods or a dominant force that's, uh, that's moving the needle. Well, what amaz- it's interesting when you mention Tiger in relationship to the Phoenix Open. The Phoenix Open has survived many, many years without Tiger Woods already. 
Uh, when was the last time he was that he was here? Is when he pushed the boulder? Uh, I don't know if that's the last year or not. But I mean, we've, we've gone many years without seeing T- Tiger set foot on this golf course, and uh, it's it, it has has gone beyond uh, being Tigerized, so to speak. Uh, it it it's its own thing, uh, its own entity. And uh, and and I think it will continue to do that. Uh, let me, let me throw this out. Uh, there are some of the some of the players that are some probably some fan favorites and some uh, some folks just plain favorites from the standpoint of uh, of golfers. Uh, Jason Day, Phil Mickelson, just to name a couple uh, that are are, are missing are missing uh, cuts, not playing well at all, uh, from and le- and leaving some. Big big name tournaments and big you know going home early. Um, what what kind of a bearing do you think that that type of thing has on uh, on the success of these events? Oh, I, I think it's huge. I think it's you know it, it can be critical for you know events. You know, and again, we have the exception rather than the rule here. But if a, if an event is you know kind of Look, they, they spend all year putting out brochures and ads and, you know, whatever with the images of these players as, as the featured players for this event. And then all of a sudden, if uh, if they're not there on the weekend, and I mean, don't you know, don't don't get me you know, don't get me wrong. The other fellows that are there, obviously, uh, playing great golf, but they don't move they they don't move the needle to the eye of the casual fan. Or, or the or the casual golfer. I mean, you know, Brent, Brendan Todd played a great great week of golf last week. But going into that tournament, you know, if you asked 100 people on the street who is he, they couldn't tell you. So it's you know, it, it, it it's crucial. And uh, uh, you know, it, it, every tournament organizer wants that. They they love they love to have the top five in the world or the the, the top six in the world being the last two or three groups coming down the stretch. But it doesn't. Uh, that doesn't work that way all the time or most of the time. And what they need are some other things to, uh, to, to draw people to the show. I, I, I think that's absolutely key to it. Kirk, I think, I think you've hit on something there. And by um, the way, 2001, the last time Tiger played in the Phoenix Open finished tied for fifth. Uh, so, you know, it's not like he struggled, but, uh, you know, it, it's it's not something anybody expects to happen again, just for a number of reasons. I think, uh, you know, there are a lot of people who wished he'd come out. Frankly, I don't think it matters. For that week, it doesn't matter. For most of the other weeks, boy, it matters almost as much as anything else. And as Kirk mentioned, you know, you put all this effort, time, money, consideration into how you're going to promote your product, and, and now your product is uh, significantly altered uh, without having this guy that, that has really – you know, motivated and moved more people to watch golf on television, see golf in person, and potentially even play golf than anybody else uh, over the course of the last uh, 30 years, as I mentioned. I mean, I think obviously uh, if, if I had to single out one human being for being responsible for doing that, Arnold Palmer gets my vote. But, uh, you know, at least in the last 20 years, it's, it's been Tiger Woods. Well, and that's the difference, isn't it, John, that, you know, like you say, when you're presenting a golf tournament, you have certain people that, 
you are you know are going to be there, but you don't know if they're going to be there all, for all four days. I mean, when the when when the Seattle Seahawks come to town this year, we know Russell, barring injury, we know Russell Wilson is going to be the quarterback, and Marshawn Lynch is going to be in the backfield, and so forth. You know, all the players that play every single week, you know, you're going to get to see them if you're either watching the game or going to the game, and that's the that that's the the difference that the golf faces and now with the schedules being with the schedule being longer with it being a 45 tournament season or what, whatever the number is now the top players you know they're, they're more spread out they don't play they don't play a lot of the the, the second tier tournaments if you will uh that, that they might if there was a more uh, a more compact season let me just throw this last topic out let's discuss this for a little while and then we can wrap it up for the evening uh with the year, what they're calling the year-round season now, uh, is this oversaturation? Yeah, I think Sorry. it is. Uh, I think it is, Pete. I think um, you know I, uh, the the biggest problem that I saw with the PGA Tour schedule was that they were playing their playoffs while the rest of the world tuned out and went to start watching football. And you can't do that. Uh, it's just it's basically suicide because uh, right now you got no chance to get a piece of that market and and have a chance to compete at that level. Uh, the only thing I could imagine is if they could somehow stage it uh, to where they could show things on, on prime time television, uh, maybe after football, but it just doesn't work with the light and everything else that you have to consider and fans and whatnot. So. Uh, I, I never liked the fact that they, they created this FedEx Cup uh, to, to basically take place in uh, the worst time of year for golf from a viewership standpoint, an interest standpoint. Um, you know, then you look at, at saturation, uh, the, the fact that there are tournaments year-round I don't think is, is a horrible thing. Um, but, you know, you've gotten to a point where it really is people setting their, their calendars to watch maybe just four tournaments or five uh, you know, during the year, and that's that's what they just have become accustomed to. I'm going to tune in for the Masters, the U.S. Open, the Open Championship, and and maybe the PGA Championship, maybe the Players Championship, maybe Arnie's tournament or Jack's tournament. But uh, you know, other than that, that's really uh, what the tour has, and and I think the viewership has been pretty uh, soft for those fall events, uh, even the Tour Championship. So I think they still have work cut out for them to figure it out as far as how to maximize the popularity of this sport but in the end it's going to come down to can you get a transcendent figure to step up and start playing dominant golf uh it's not easy to, to have that happen they come along you know once in a generation uh did we see the end of the one that, that we've been watching for the last uh two decades or uh, is there a chance that he can come back and, and regain it i think that's what everybody's wondering uh, or maybe one of these young fellas uh, takes the next step up, and, and then we do uh, be we do have a sport that, that can ride a superstar uh, back into the limelight and, and into you know popularity and boost all those numbers we've been talking about. I know I said that was going to be my my last question, but your 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 uh, uh, your words brought something else to mind when you said a transcendent figure. Uh, it used to be in many cases, I do believe that that transcendent figure was the celebrity whose name was attached to the tournament. And they got away from that. Uh, I don't know if they, because the celebrities didn't want to take the time to do it or if 
the turn the PGA didn't want to be involved in that any longer. So, but my question is, should they take a look at having, in lieu of a player, maybe the transcendent personality is the fact that uh, that there's this this personality or personality or entertainer. I remember I remember very clearly that when I when I played in that turn that LPGA the uh, PGA tournament over in San Diego. Uh, on the pairing and the pairings night, I was looking forward to Andy Williams on that stage, right in front of my very eyes, uh, singing and, and carrying on and, and whatever. And uh, that was a big thing to me. And, and uh, I, I remember seeing Dinah Shore at the design, at the Nabisco Dinah Shore Open, and, and I remember seeing Bob Hope in the in the desert. So. Uh, are there not celebrity celebrities that like to play golf and want to have their name affixed with a, to a tournament? Uh, let's get an answer on or some thoughts on that, and then then we really do have to wrap it up. Well, I think Pete, one of your one of the examples you just gave might might have been been the answer in a sense. It used to be called the Nabisco Dinah Shore, and there was this combination of the celebrity and the corporate sponsor, and we all know that. You know the golf has gone to you know the title sponsors because of the the dollars that are involved. But why can't you do it? Do you know aren't there aren't there celebrities and um, companies that wouldn't like to do something in in combination with each other? Uh, that, I, that 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 would seem to do the trick. I agree. I think I think golf needs it. I think if again if I was back in the commissioner's office, uh that would be one of the things I'd be strategizing about. Okay, what town are we going to this week? We're in Fort Worth. Uh who's the biggest thing going in Fort Worth right now? And uh and and how do we get them involved? Uh and and not only okay, maybe it's uh I don't know, I'm just going to throw out Blake Shelton. I know he's an Oklahoma guy, but maybe he'd go down to Texas for a week. So Blake Shelton, big country star, he likes to play golf. Or maybe Jake Owen, right, the guy we did the lift up with, big country music star. Let's get him out of the colonial, uh, you know, let's, let's, uh, let's, let's you know, drive people through somebody who actually moves the needle in that specific area. And it's not easy because a lot of these guys, you know, if they're going to put their name on something, they're going to expect to get paid big dollars. And anyway, then we go back to the money thing. And uh, it's difficult to make investments like that if you don't know you're going to get the return. And I think, uh, you know, in the, in, in the days of the Bob Hopes and the, and the Andy Williams and, and everybody else who was involved, you know, that was, a, that was a symbiotic relationship. There was a passion for the game of golf that you could – it was tangible from those guys. And that's why they were involved. It, they didn't get involved because they were getting a check for 50 grand. That's true. That's true. They loved the game. And they, and they, they were all part of promoting the game. Uh, it, it was the Bing Crosby National Pro Am. Uh, it, it was, uh, it, it was, it was something you could look forward to watching. Also, I mean, you know, I was watching it uh, in different parts of the country when I was uh, a young guy, and you know, you, you'd say, "Wow, what's look at that? They're playing at out at Pebble Beach. Look at look at that beautiful, beautiful ocean and beautiful weather." And it, it you know, it, it, it was just a, a uh, an absolute. Absolutely wonderful uh, 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 picture that painted that was painted about golf, the golf uh, golf competitors, and the celebrities. And uh, uh, we certainly have we certainly have lost that. And and, and I, here again, 
Maybe I, maybe I'm just too much too much reminiscing tonight about the things in the past that I enjoyed. But uh, I I think that anybody didn't that didn't uh, uh, didn't experience it and didn't know about it missed something in in the in the world of golf. I, I think something was missed. So I, I guess because it all goes to the goes to the bottom line and goes to the money that uh, that's, it's easy enough to do away with. You know, some of that stuff just doesn't matter anymore. So. I don't know. Any well, it might be guys? cyclical. You, you hope that maybe it is a cycle, Pete, and maybe now the powers that be will hear enough schmucks like us talking about this uh, and do something about it, you know, and, and, and try to go back to, to what uh, maybe called the glory days of the sport in some cases. Uh, you know, you have to find out what, what you can do to capture today's audience, which is going to be different than, uh, you know, the audience of the 70s and 80s or 60s or whatever you want to uh, go back to. But, uh, you know, I, I'm hopeful and uh, always remaining hopeful because I do know one thing. Golf still uh, is, is that bug, is that addiction that so many of us, not only Americans but all over the planet, have developed. And, uh, and when you can get that nerve struck uh, and you can get people hot about it again and you can, you can attach golf to whether it's celebrities or dominant players or you know all these things we've discussed uh it it has the potential to get another strong hold uh on on the american sports fan and just americans in general there's the the potential will always be there the venues are still there uh but you need to have uh some of those other elements and and now the focus may shift that way uh, while they continue to try to find those title sponsors and keep those sponsors happy, uh, that's where the pressure is going to fall on the tour because they keep they, they lose those like the LPGA has lost, and, and you start seeing tournaments dwindle. Uh, then massive change is probably on the horizon. Yeah, that, well, absolutely. The necessity can always be the mother of invention, and that that could be that might be what it takes. I, I think you struck on a great chord there, John. Uh, uh, you've got the venues. Uh, you certainly have the talent. Uh, so you've got, uh, I don't, if there are three or four pieces of the pie, uh, you certainly have two huge pieces uh, that are sitting there right now, and, and I'm sure in many, many instances just ready to be utilized, you know, ready to be utilized, uh, sort of like, come on, baby, do me. Uh, let, let's just make this thing happen. And uh, I, I think you'll... I think you'll find a lot of these young kids uh, that are just breaking into breaking into the PGA Tour uh, may well be very much willing to uh, take a more upfront, aggressive role in some of these things because they still have uh, they still have money to be made before they get jaded. Uh, maybe one way to look at that, and maybe they should be exploited. Do you know what I'm saying? Just see what see what they had to say. Well, guys, I want to thank you for uh, for being part of this tonight. I know we went longer than we anticipated, but it was a lot of fun. We covered a lot of topics, and uh, hopefully people that heard it live or, uh, enjoyed it, and I hope uh, people that hear it on the archives will enjoy it as well. So uh, with that, I'll, I'll say good night, and uh, until next time, which should be Thursday evening, we'll, uh, we'll be doing another show, and uh, we'll see you then. And between now and then, if you're playing golf, Hit it straight down the middle, everybody. Have a great evening. Take care. See you.
You've been listening to Straight Down the Middle on Arizona Boomer Radio. Arizona Boomer Radio is produced by the Boomer and the Babe Incorporated and can be heard Monday through Friday. You can sign up for their online magazine at boomerandthebabe.com. To reach the Boomer and the Babe, email host at boomerandthebabe.com or friend them on facebook.com slash boomerandbabe. And on Blog Talk, you can friend them at blogtalkradio.com slash boomerandbabe. Follow their tweets at twitter.com slash boomerandbabe. Be sure to make the second half of your life the best half of your life. And remember, at 50, you're just getting started. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.